In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. One thing to give high priority to is your relationship with your children. And they're needy, they're watching you. I mean, the things I want to share, you all know. It's yeah. a matter of, of doing it and being, being responsible. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host for today's show. I'm excited about today's episode. We're going to help you younger guys to finish strong. We're going to help you build habits that you can form now that will help you to live a great life. We're bringing a guy in that is a friend and a mentor and a father figure in my life today, and you're going to be really, really excited to hear what this guy has to say this guy has been around this planet three quarters of a century. He's an avid snow skier and instructor. He's a he r- rides uh, road bikes regularly, and he's always on the golf course. This guy's lived a noteworthy life worth learning from and imitating. I'm excited to get him back on the show. Hey guys, but before we do that, I want to move into our man laws. Our man laws are supplied by you, our heroes. When we use yours, if you hit us up with your address at info at menandarena.org, we'll send you some meat of swag just to say thank you. I noticed this week's man law on two different occasions. First, I noticed uh, Mark and Steve at Exo Mountain Gear wrote an article about killing two bears on one trip and one day, side by side, and in order to pack them out, they had to cross a river, and they actually rolled up their pants to cross the river and keep their pants dry. Conversely, I recently saw a buddy of mine rolled up his pants to knee-high level because it was too hot outside. And I thought, man, those sure look like capris and not actually pants. And so here is the man law. Never roll your pants past your knees unless you are wading across a river or across a muddy bog. Because listen... Just like one of our man laws about cats, if your dog looks like a cat, it is a cat. Similarly, if your pants look like capris, they are capris. Also, I want to apologize because I broke a man law violation by using the word capris. Men should not use that word unless their wife is wearing them. So I apologize for that. I want to move on to this week's hero story. 
This week's hero story comes from Jared Kay. Uh, he lives in the state of Jefferson, which uh, is northern California, and he writes, I'm a 29-year-old married, blue-collar man in the mountains of northern California trying to do it right with the Lord and my wife. I appreciate your podcast. I share it with as many men as I can. Hey, Jared, thanks so much out there in the state of Jefferson getting it done. Uh, appreciate you, and uh, stay in the arena, brother. Hey, hey, guys, make sure if we use your man law or if we use your hero story, if you hit us up at info at menarena.org, send us your physical address. We will send you some swag. Thanks a lot, guys. We sure appreciate your input. This podcast is for you, our arena men. Hey, guys, and thanks again for making the Men in the Arena podcast Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. Guys, hey, I'm excited to bring our guest on today, my friend Mike Goins. Mike spent most of his career as a CFO of four universities, retiring around year 2011. Since then, Mike has served as a volunteer with the Amhill County CASA, Friendsview Retirement Community, Young Life, his local church, and Men in the Arena, where he has served as the board chair and treasurer for the past eight years. He also leads two Men in the Arena teams, one local and one virtual. When he isn't volunteering, he's an avid snow skier recently teaching his granddaughters how to snow ski he also loves to ride a road bike riding hundreds and hundreds of miles every year with his bike club and when he's not doing that you can see him on the golf course fairway that butts up to his backyard he's a mentor and father figure to me and many other men embodies what it means to live as your best version and because of that mike was selected as this year's men in the arena man of the year so mike it's great to have you on the show good to be here jim and I will add. I don't man, feel worthy, but hey, I know you don't. Yeah. And the Man of the Year award is given every year to a local man who we interact with regularly. And I know that you were a little bit uh, not upset, but you did not want that award. I had to sneak it in because I felt like you were so deserving. And because of what you model to myself and so many others, I just thought there was nobody else I'd rather honor than you. So that's why we did it. Okay. And I know that you. Uh, didn't want me to, but I did it anyway. I did mount the skis yesterday. For those of you who don't know, we present the man of the year every year with with something unique and special for them. And we bought a really uh, nice pair of antique skis and had them engraved or laser printed man of the year man of the arena. So uh, I knew that you would appreciate that more than the sword. And so uh, now you've got two swords. They're just wood wood skis. <laughs> those could really hurt. They're yeah. kind of sharp at the tip as well. Mm-hmm. So, hey, Mike, will you uh, take a moment and just give us a, a little bit of insight about you and uh, your personal story, any other things that our listeners need sure. to know? Um, I thought I had a normal life growing up as a kid. Until I got older, I realized I had a very special life. I had parents that loved me, that were consistent, that affirmed me. I thought I could do anything. Um, they're, they're Christian. My father was a pastor. I was very fortunate. And at the time, though, you just think it's normal. It mm-hmm. isn't until later on you realize that you had a huge advantage. And... Um, I accepted the Lord at a very young age, um, so I don't have a story of how the Lord took me out of gangs and drugs and all kind of horrible things. It, it's like my sin nature was still there, uh, so I committed my life to the Lord as, as in grade school. Uh, again, was raised in the in a Christian home, moved around the country. Also, I also learned I could interact with people. Uh, your security. Um, is basically in the Lord and your at that time our family and so we moved a lot of times as my father was was a pastor. Uh, I had another kind of a coming to the Lord experience uh, in college where uh, a girl broke up with me and it was 
her loss. <laughs> you know but, it, baby. You know it. She uh, could have had Mike Goins, yeah. man of the year. And I just felt like a failure. How could this have happened? You know, how? What, what's wrong? And uh, I remember going out in the field in the middle of the night uh, and calling out to the Lord and, and asking. I, all the scriptures came flooding into my mind that I heard, that I remembered as, as a young person. So I um, recommitted my life to the, to the Lord in college. Again, God was faithful, uh, was married right out of college. Uh, the Lord, again, provided good opportunities in work. I worked for a mortgage bank um, right out of, out of college. Um, worked for an, um, a dairy co-op as the, their finance person. Learned all about leukocyte and bacteria and mastitis and things with, with the cows. We marketed milk in bulk. Uh, and then early on, had a kind of a, a break. Uh, was called back to work my alma mater. It had been Whitworth. And so I was got a call to be willing to come back and work in the controller's office. So then my whole career was in higher education. And so I had 39 years at the four, the four schools, uh, worked in, uh, started at Whitworth in Spokane, went to the University of the Pacific in Stockton, uh, went to uh, West Virginia, uh, West Virginia Wesleyan College, and then finished my last 10 years at, at George Fox. And so the whole career was in the same industry. And was able to do uh, accreditation visits of, of their schools mm-hmm. and kind of had that area of expertise. Um, I can remember my father telling me one time, and I think we were in grade school. I still remember we were at the dump and we were throwing stuff out of the trailer. And I just, at that point, realized that my life was better than others. And mm. just thanked him for what a good father he was. And he says, well, Mike, just remember that the scripture says that too much has been given, much to be required. Mm. And so... I never forgot that. And so when you, you come up to retirement, what are you going to do? I mean, I enjoy, as Jim mentioned, I enjoy golfing and skiing and biking, but that can't be your life. Yeah, uh, You have to have other things that are meaningful. And so I just felt like, you know, I need to be able to give back. Uh, I'd re- been given so much. And so the things that Jim shared earlier of volunteering uh, has been meaningful. I mean, you, hopefully one of my problems in my life had been, I had almost no non-Christian friends <clears throat> because mm-hmm. I worked at a Christian's organizations, was in a church, was in small groups, and had almost no contact or very limited contact uh, with non-Christians. And so I figured, here's a chance to be involved in the community to hopefully let your light shine. I remember taking a neighbor golfing one day. I didn't know what he did. And on the way back from the golf course, he told me that he was a retired minister. Mm. And I said, I was hoping you weren't a Christian so I could witness to you. Oh, how funny. So the other opportunities to volunteer was to get me in the real world where they're serving with the CASAs, the court-appointed special advocate for kids in foster care. And all of a sudden, I saw a whole side of life I'd never seen much before. Yeah. A poverty of drug abuse, of abused children or neglected children. Um, But it was an an opportunity to hopefully be a a light to them, to the people I'm in contact with. So one thing I would encourage anybody thinking about retirement, I'll be 76 next month. And you can't spend your time watching TV and, and playing golf. And there's, there's huge needs in the community and there's no better people than Christians to be involved and try to fill those. So part of my meaningful part of my life, the last 10 years have been to be involved in ministry and service. Well, you Um, know, it's interesting, Mike, as I've watched the lives of retired men play out. So I get to interact with a lot of different guys. And as I watch retired men play out their lives, I've, I've noticed something distinct. The Christian men, for the most part, when they retire, continue to serve God in ministry. The guys who aren't Christians when they retire move into this realm of serving themselves. 
and they uh, they play the golf and they watch TV and they play solitaire and they go on vacation. And to me, that seems like a miss, but it's it's also a distinguishing trait of the godly man versus the man who is not godly. The other guy may say he's a Christian. I'm talking about mm-hmm. the godly man who serves God. What what is what what would you say to these guys? that have a goal in life to retire and then just live their life. What's the miss there? It's going to be pretty empty and meaningless if you're not doing something meaningful. It made me think of a, a situation. My brother was a pastor, and if you ever heard of Brother Andrew, was known as the yep. Bible smuggler uh-huh. in, in the behind the red. He was at a, at a conference one time in Europe where he was being honored for all this work he did, and he's like in his 90s, and he was still doing it. And Doug said backstage... He was all upset. He said, why are they honoring me? You should serve the Lord till you die. No one says I should stop smuggling Bibles. This is what God called me to do. Why would I stop? Yeah. And the issue, what, what, what happens in our life that says, flip the switch, but you don't get to take vacations. You take trips when you retire. <laughs> but what, what is it that says, okay, I don't have to serve anymore? When the guys say, hey, if we follow the Lord and we're to, we're to minister and witness, that's your whole life. Well, I always thought it was interesting. You know, the Bible says in Philippians 1.6, for I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. So if you've got a pulse, if you've got breath, God still has a plan for you. So I, I, I struggle with this retirement mentality. I think it's uh, an American thing. I think it's a secular thing. I personally don't have a plan to retire. Uh, I'm in a fortunate position where I'm paid to do what I'm called to do. And so, yeah, I want to put myself in a position to finish strong and to not disqualify myself in ministry. I want to put myself in a financial position where I can actually take some time and do stuff without worrying about where the money's going to come in. Mm -hmm. But to sit back and rest on my laurels because uh, I'm somehow retired, to me it seems antithetical to biblical Christianity. So anyway, well, what's your secret, Mike? What's your why? when it comes to living a, a full life into your 70s? I know there's a secret. I think that, that uh, I talked about having something meaningful. I mean, when you serve, you get stuff back. Yeah. So it isn't like we're being abused to serve. Yeah. Like leading the, the, the men in the arena teams uh, is a, been a really rewarding experience watching guys' lives change and holding, them, holding each other accountable, um, having, calling people out and up. Uh, to see that firsthand is exhilarating. Yeah. And so there, it's in serving, you, you get paid back. Um, and people that think, well, I don't want to waste my time or I don't want to spend my time and I'm, what I'm losing, you're gaining way more has been my experience. Well, and that's, I think, what guys miss is they think, well, now it's my time. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing better than when a man gives his life away because... In giving, th- th- this is the paradigm of Christianity. Mm-hmm. You have to die to live. Mm-hmm. You have to give to receive. Mm-hmm. You have to serve others to receive God's mm-hmm. blessing. There's, it's a massive paradigm, mm-hmm. and so our world tells us one thing, but God is telling us something totally different. And so, what what is a what is a an area that you see, Mike, or have seen that blindsides men? Is there an area where you're like? Man, that guy should have seen that coming, or or maybe yeah, an no, area where you yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. see something coming. There's there's two big ones, uh, and they're not going to be a surprise to anybody. <clears throat> One is uh, sexual moral purity, and I have seen so many people that I would have called friends that were uh, people I looked up to that were you know, committed Christians. Uh, we'd be outspoken. That involved a pastor. It involved a college president. It involved 
a, a vice president for academic affairs and involved a counselor, uh, the people that blew it. And, yeah. and I'm thinking, what, what is it that would cause a man to fl- blow up his whole marriage, his relationship with his family, f- for a few minutes of maybe pleasure? And we know about it. So men in the arena talk about guardrails. Yep. Fix yourself so those things don't happen. So uh, I was going to share this a little bit later if it came up at, about retirement. Here's the thing that, that may or may not blow your mind, but it, at 75, I had the closest... Uh, challenge sexually of purity in my life. And part of it is, and I've shared this with some other people before, comes from a sense of um, um, when you're overconfident, when you have pride, that I've, I, knew, I knew the right answers. I knew how to live. And all these guys that are failures, I'm thinking, what are they, how could they do that? And so part of it, in, it with pride was thinking, well, I know how to, how to do this. Mm-hmm. And the enemies out there, as all of us hopefully know daily, challenging us. Mm-hmm. And I had a situation where I was, I was tempted. I didn't succumb, but I couldn't believe how far my mind went. And it's your mind that, that often controls us. We're supposed to renew our minds daily. Yeah. And without doing that, and I just, the wake-up call was, wait a minute, 76, I could still have that temptation. And, and, and um, again, I, was, I didn't yield, but it was there. It would have been easy. And I'm thinking, wow. Um, so the, the sexual one is one issue, that we need to have guardrails, protect ourselves, and there's all kind of, we're told in Scripture what, that we're not supposed to do it. Then there's, there's things we can do practically to protect ourselves yeah, and to set yeah. things up. The other area, without going more about the, the sexual one, because I think you all know what I'm talking about. Go, well, we had yeah. Caitlin, our digital marketing <clears throat> consultant, on the podcast last week, and I asked her, from yeah. a digital standpoint, what do you recognize as a great problem of men? And one of them, she said, was 80% of men have a porn problem. And I mean, I agree. I think we're in an age, and I I don't think this is, here's what I think, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's changed in 3,000 years. I just think now it's easier. It's not on the walls. Well, you shared a struggle with an actual female. Most guys are struggling with a virtual female. That will lead to the other things. And so I think that's a a main thing is this uh, being blindsided sexually. Uh, Go ahead and continue what else you're saying. The other one that um, I was happily married for 25 years, thought I had a wonderful marriage. And uh, when my wife decided to to move out, I wasn't fulfilling. And then I realized you're all culpable in a marriage. You can't blame Mm -hmm, one person. mm -hmm. But... um, what I was doing, and partly was partly because of fear of failure, <clears throat> I had so much in my life wrapped up in my job, I spent hours to make sure I didn't make a mistake. And I was prepared for meetings, over-prepared. And so the, the thing I would warn, especially young guys with families or anybody, is if you're spending more time and attention to your job to be, for good reasons, to be a, you know, successful in the job, to do a good job, to have resources for your family, but if that takes precedent over the relationship with your with your with your spouse, you're asking for trouble. And when I look back and realize, okay, I wasn't there for her emotionally as much as she wanted or needed, and you'll never fulfill them. But yet we can do a whole lot better job if we make sure we're giving them our attention. And so after 25 years, went through a divorce that was was amicable. Was, there's no such thing as a nice divorce, but it yeah. wasn't a bad one. Yeah, but. Um, we're still friends, um, but that whole, I'm happily married now, 27 years with a new, 
the new wife that the Lord provided. That's been wonderful. But uh, to go through that, you don't wish on anybody. But part of it, my responsibility, one primary issue was how much I spent with my job as a priority mm-hmm. rather than her, her, her needs. Uh, so that'd be one thing I just warn you about, that you need to do a good job, be a um, responsible employee and a good model for the Lord tells us to be productive, <clears throat> but there's got to be a balance. Well, the, the scary part is, even in the <clears throat> church, you will be applauded for how much you work until your life is ruined. People will mm-hmm. applaud you. And so I run into this all the time with guys. They're like, well, I can't work. I, I can't do this. I work. I work. I work. I, well, I, I tell them, I just... And with all the love in my heart, well, you're an idiot. Take the day off. Uh, I mm-hmm. tell myself that sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Come on, you're you're not doing this right. So it's so important for these guys to realize that if you worship your work, uh, it's gonna it can ruin your life for a and season. And for for the Christian man, I mean, my father, I had a brother, and a son. All three are pastors, and I've seen firsthand how it can just eat you up. And they've got to have boundaries mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and for themselves uh still good good job but the church rewards volunteers you know also yeah. oh, you suck absolutely. people in you could you can say absolutely. no i mean you need to be responsible and if the lord calls you we need to serve but there's a limit i've had one guy in our group i really respect but one thing i've talked to him about is you do too much everything that comes up he volunteers for it and does a good job of thinking wait a minute at what point do you overstep the bounds and so he's now trying to be careful, and he's actually said no to some things. And good things, the church just reels us in, especially those, because uh, they tell people, you know what the reward for service is? It's more service. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And the church is so needy. The church wants so yeah. much, needs so yeah. much help. I understand that. So, well, let's talk about this. So, Mike, our audience, as you know, are guys uh, in their 30s through early 50s. They've got kids in the home. They're commuting back and forth from work. They're guys that are, most of our guys are engaged in their communities. They're engaged in volunteerism. So let's talk about this. So what habits did you form at, let's say, in your 30s that have served you well into your 70s? So you've formed certain habits. I've never talked to you about this, but what? let's let's unpack four to six of those. So what are some habits that you have formed, and some of them you've already alluded to, that have served you well and that you'd love to pass on to some of these other guys? We have guys listening right now, Mike, that have no dad in the picture. They have no grandfather in the picture. They are. I, I met with a couple just yesterday uh, for marriage counseling, and they're just really struggling because neither of them has a role model. So what we're doing is we're putting you on this platform as a model. What what can you tell? Not like Charles Barkley, though. Come on. <laughs> okay. I'm not your role not model. Not like Charles Barkley. No. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear yeah, you. Yeah. So inside joke from the 90s. Yeah. Anyway, so what, what? let's talk about this. Let's unpack uh, four to six okay. Habits you formed that have served you well. One I would I would share in our in our uh, small group men in the arena group. There's a couple of guys that, that have horrible relations with their fathers mm-hmm. or none at all. And so one wonderful thing is begin to see how the men in the in the group minister to them and how they they want to have access or contact with godly men. Mm-hmm. It kind of as a role model as a father. And one thing for for those that have, that do have kids is to. And it isn't too late to start whenever. Agreed. But but to spend major time not only when you're with your wife but with your kids. I mean, I tried to make a, a habit to never miss a ball game, a concert. Uh, I, I, we would plan things with the kids um, on a regular basis. I mean, whether you play catch after after dinner, whether you we'd build a family tradition of skiing. The kids love to ski, so th- where that's 
kind of taken us is we still do things together. They still want to be with us. And so that relationship, if you don't build it, you can't then later on come back, well, let's try this again. I mean, you could always start. Uh, so I would just say one, one thing to give high priority to is your relationship with your children. And they're needy. They're watching you. I mean, the things I want to share, you all know. It's yeah. a matter of doing it and being, being responsible and thinking about it consciously uh, and intentionally. So spending time with your kids, they're all different. I would take each of my sons, um, when they reached you know, the puberty, separately. We used a Jim Dobson book about becoming a man, what that meant. And you talked about things before they became an issue. So one tip with, with kids would be to have, before there's the crisis, you talk about what adolescence is going to be like. You're going to question, you're going to not believe stuff we say, and you go through all the things that kids will, will mm-hmm. do, uh, or are going to come across kind of proactively. So with kids, something to think about how, how you could do that. Go ahead. Well, no, so, no. so when we're, <clears throat> we're defining this word kids, so for our men in the arena, it's kids in the home. Yeah. But then for other men in the arena, it's going to be kids who have just left the home and then for other men in the arena, it's going to be kids who are now raising your grandchildren. So I'm in this transition where I'm having to spend time with my adult kids and finding ways to connect now, especially after marriage, because now there are other families involved. Yeah. I think there are four, maybe four distinct phases. There's They're in my home, then they're in their 20s and single out of my home, then they're in their 20s and 30s with another person, a significant other in their life, maybe married without children, and then they're raising children. So all these phases, I have to navigate creative ways to spend time with my kids, right? Mm-hmm. So talked about. Yeah. And again, this may be sound easier than it is doing, but uh, Scripture talks about we raise children uh, to leave. Mm-hmm. And when you get married, you're to leave, you're, you're to cleave to each other in a new relationship, not your parents. Mm-hmm. And so where I see, I think families blow it is when they try to control the kids once they're gone. Yeah. And the more you try to demand and control, I've often seen the less the kids want to come. And play with a blended family, which many people have, it's even gets more complicated than just a regular family with sets of grandparents. Now you get yeah. four sets of grandparents. And so really you got to share there's different holidays, there's different expectations, there's the, the wife and the husband trying to navigate their future and their, their, their kind of contracts together, uh, that's more important than ours with the parent. And so it's difficult, but you need to, my advice is you need to kind of step back a little bit, not demand, you need to have a relationship that they want to be with you. If it's a bad situation, why would they want to come? Totally. If you, when they come, it's, it's not pleasant. So again, not an easy answer, but it is different. And so I, the people I've seen that have demanded more, uh, it's not gone well. But um, that they're welcome. So what we try to tell the kids as much as we can, we'd love to have you. But if it doesn't work out, we understand. You've got other things going on. And so they eventually work you in the rotation. Uh, the, they also make an effort with the grandkids that you... Um, you can't just wait for something to happen. You need to reach out to say, and take some initiative mm-hmm. to want to have time with them. Uh, but no, you're right. There's a definite kind of cycles that it goes through that it changes. But early on, if you have as a, as a young parent developed a strong relationship that the mm-hmm. kid loves you, trusts you, respects you, and you do them also, they're going to want to, they're going to want to spend time with you later on. But I think I've heard it said that our job is not to make the kid moral. 
that's God's job. We can't make them become a Christian. We can't yeah. make them do stuff. And they have to choose on their own. I think if we model, we teach, we train, we share scripture, the odds are eventually they're going to hopefully come back. But a lot of people feel like failures when it really isn't their fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could all have done better. I could have done better many yeah, times. Yeah, for sure. But we can't take it personally that we've been a failure because of what the kid has done. Because they have free will and... Um, we don't control that. You know, it's interesting, Mike. My kids are in their uh, mid-20s to late-20s now, and I'm recognizing some of the failures I made when they were children in their 20s. They're manifesting in their 20s, Mike. Man, I should have done that better. Man, I should have done that better. And so it's really interesting. So we're the parents that err on the side of trying to force our way into their lives as adults. Mm -hmm. And and because of your counsel and the counsel of others, we've decided to create an environment where they want to be a part of Mm -hmm. by doing, for example, Father's Day. So I'm preaching at a church on Father's Day, and we're going to have a trap shooting competition. So we're going to bring the whole family together, and and we have an adopted, one of our kind of adopted sons. We're going to bring the whole crew together that can be there, and we're going to just have a trap shooting competition. Just a fun thing. If you show up, great. If you don't, no big deal, but we're going to do this thing. And my guess is a lot of them are going to want to come. <laughs> yeah, because the ammunition's free. <laughs> that's so right. anyway, so but that's what we'll do. And yeah. I think this is important because, yeah. uh, and especially for the men listening, if your kids are in the home right now, you have a small window of 18 summers and 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock every night. Don't blow it. <laughs> Life goes so fast. Yeah. Hard for me to believe. I have, I have 11 grandkids. I have a grandkid 26. Wow. Down to, I think, eight. Uh, 11 grandkids. And the kids, like my, I have a son that's 52. So things that happen so fast. You, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can't believe it, how, how fast all of a sudden things yeah, change. Yeah, make the most of it. So yeah. first, first point, first habit to form is spend major time with your kids. Yeah. What's the second one that you well, formed in the 30s? The next three or four are out of any book. It isn't even oh, okay. Christian stuff, but it's things that we should and we could do when you ask about how, how things go better later in life. One is, what's your diet? What, what do you eat and not eat? You know, how do you take, if you better take care of yourself now. Your metabolism does slow down eventually. And I have a real high metabolism, and so I've been thin most of my life and because it burns so much um but it does slow down so getting developing habits of what you eat and how you eat in quantities and it will pay off dividends long term i know so many old retired guys that are out of weight overweight and in bad shape and can't do anything with their grandkids um well that's a factor because my boys are like i said they're mid to late 20s -hmm. and now they're the ones humping these hills and like I'm, you know, I want to keep up with them as long as yeah. I possibly yeah. can, yeah. and I'm recognizing that just by the virtue of my age, I'm slower. So you add age coupled with health and weight, and it, it kills you. And I, I can remember being being sighted and also being a little ticked off the first time my kids in maybe middle school beat me at ping pong mm-hmm. or at pool. Or because you've trained them to grow up and be physically, hopefully, uh, and you want them to succeed, try to keep up with the ski slopes. Um, so, yeah. Another one I would just mention is again, everybody would know is exercise regularly. And okay, so you have those two as different. I have those as different. So diet, diet, and then your third one is then exercise. Exercise, and part of my motivation, and the other people wouldn't have, without going into all the details, I've had three open heart surgeries with valves replaced twice. And as a, I was a, not a blue baby, but I had a congenital heart problem. They knew at birth. Mm-hmm. And so my whole life, I've been monitored and watched because of my heart. And uh, I remember I told my mom once, 
My dad said the hardest thing he ever did in his life, he was quite an athlete, a great baseball player, is I'd made the the A team in Little League in the seventh grade, and we had full uniforms. It was the sixth grade. Full uniforms and socks and the whole deal. And the doctor said, Mike has to stop exercise. It was before my first surgery. Mm. And he said, there's a problem. And my, I can remember sitting in the back seat and seeing my dad carry my uniform and give it back to the coach. And he said that was the hardest thing he'd ever done in his life, oh. to give his uniform as his kid back. So anyway, that gave me a motivation. I told my mom once, I'd rather die playing baseball than, than live as an invalid. And mm. maybe that wasn't real wise, but I'm not advising that. But yeah. but the importance that I was motivated then to prove that I was okay, and I ended up in junior high in high school wrestling. Uh, I always get the doctor's permission what what you could do. Uh, it was to prove myself that in fact physically I, I can do something. So I had a motivation. Realized that at one point I thought I wasn't going to live and that your heart was going to fail. Like I had my first spring big bike ride yesterday just to prove to myself I could still get out there and, and do it, and uh, it was fine. How far did you go? Not very far, like I think about 18 miles. I use a heart monitor. <laughs> I have a heart monitor. <laughs> a, that's, that's, at, that's at the very least a moderate ride for a road guy. Okay. That's not a short ride for a yeah. road guy. Well, we used 18, to, how's, your, uh, how's the seat feeling right now? Well, a little sore. It, it actually, it wasn't. It's not. It's okay so far. But uh, you have a really soft chair, so oh, okay, that's probably okay. good. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I, would, uh, I would just say building different. It's different. Different people have different things that motive. Find something that you, you you enjoy doing. Or, I mean, I don't particularly like the gym, but I'll go. But get a partner. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. whatever your exercise is, even walking. And I'm fine. I'll, I'll walk with my wife some now. She's gotten in really, really good shape. And so she walks faster than I do. Uh, so she doesn't like me to come that often. But, oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Just, you walk behind her, Mike. Yeah. Come on, Mike. That's <laughs> well, a win-win. that is a nice view. That's a win-win. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Mike, so, I, th- so this is really, I've had a lot of guys ask me, what if I have a job that requires manual labor? Yeah. And I, man, I'll tell you what, at a fi- as a 56-year-old man now, you know, I planted uh, eight trees at a property we owned uh, about a month ago, and I'm like, "That's manual labor, dude." Yeah. And so, for me, as I get older, I'm realizing that manual labor for me can function as uh, exercise. And so, if a guy's a, a, a <coughs> landscaper or a construction guy, I think for those guys, maybe different. But many, yeah. many, yeah. many, many guys yeah. in this society are sitting on a computer all day yeah. long. Yeah. And for those guys, they need to work out. And I've been pretty thankful that because of sports mm-hmm. and because uh, I have family members who struggled with health and weight issues, mm-hmm. I've worked out all my life. And one of the things I posted recently was I owe my body, every week I try to owe my body two cardio workouts. I don't run, mm-hmm. so I do yeah. a, a stationary bike or a bike. Two cardio workouts, two fat-burning workouts, which I would call those hikes. I, I like to hike, put on a backpack and hike. And yeah, I'm sucking air sometimes. A lot of the guys on... Instagram make fun of me because I post reels while I'm sucking air, but that's mm-hmm. technically I would call that a fat burning mm-hmm. move. And I try to do one strength training program and one uh, hit workout a week. So I try to do five, four to five workouts a week, implementing these things because I get bored. I've had the other motivation that I've had a hip replaced. Yeah, I've had five knee surgeries, ACL reconstruction. Uh, I've had bladder cancer three times, uh, other ankle, elbow. Um, um, and I went in to possibly have a knee replaced, and it, it um, has gotten worse and worse. So I, when I ski, I wear metal braces that lock it in at 7 degrees so you can't hyperextend. 
uh, take a lot of Advil, which isn't probably good for your liver and whatever. But so I went to the doctor who was said your bone on bone is time for replacement. But let's first we're going to try cortisone, and got a cortisone shot. And for a month I've had no pain. I mean nothing. Mm. I've been able to squat. I haven't squatted in years without hurting. Um, so maybe I'm done with surgeries. <laughs> well, the cancer and the heart stuff you can't yeah. help that, but. Yeah. These other things, yeah. were they injuries? So, uh, the, the knees were, my first one, I wrestled in high school and college. Okay. I wrestled at Whitworth and uh, tore up one of my knees. But back in the old days, they did more damage going in with the big incisions. Before they had the scopes, there was just like a cartilage tear to correct. Yeah. And so some of them, they did more damage, I think, going in than actually the surgery. The three of them were ski-related. I had a student run into me and blew out my cruciate ligament. Oh. And... Um, so those were, were basically, and then the hip is just old age. And the other one's fine. And the hip replacement for those that are heard about it is not a big deal. I mean, you do exercises before, afterwards, you're walking. I mean, I was hitting golf balls in a month. Not very well, but I never have hit <laughs> it very well. Um, yeah. Well, they say the hip is easier than the knee. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for, oh, for sure. sure. So, so spend major time yep. with your kids. <clears throat> diet. And diet, your diet, which is what you eat and how much, mm -hmm. and then exercise. And so, what's the fourth one? Okay, a couple others. One is, and again, this is out of a tech, it could be out of a textbook, is rest. And especially as you get older, um, and you can read anything to support your bias, I guess, but is the fact that we need, our bodies need to heal. And so, to, to make time for it, you go to bed early, don't watch the, the late show or whatever, go to bed. Um, and so I think getting regular rest is going to make a difference long-term. Maybe as a young guy, maybe it um, is as important, but I think developing habits. Um, and they talk about, you know, the lights off and don't you look at your screens, and all kind of things you can do to get better rest. But I just think it's something you, is ignored a lot that could make people way healthier. I wish I would have done that early on. I, yeah. I was uh, high energy, high capacity, my job required me six and a half days, six days a week work. And um, so I prided myself in being the last one mm -hmm. to bed and the first one up, which I think there is really something to that for men. But since then, I've, I don't use an alarm clock unless I have a hunting or fishing yeah. thing I have to be at. I don't use an alarm clock. I sleep, sleep seven to eight hours a night. And I take a day off every week, try to. And then full vacation, the whole nine yards. I think these. I think that's important. Our bodies need to recover. Our minds need to recover. Yep. You know, we live in a world nowadays we're inundated by this blue light stuff with computer screens and TV screens and phones. And if we don't shut it down, our minds don't get a rest. Well, I think it's, and I, I didn't make this up. I read this, that the concern they have with this current generation of kids growing up is there's major brain damage being done where your brains need to rest. They have to recover. Mm -hmm. And that with, with being watching screens all day long, the brain never has a chance to rest. And they're saying there's some developmental problem that's creating that's going to get worse and worse for the future. The kids coming up, that their brains aren't developed. I'm not saying it's the, they could become shooters, but potentially that it's like till 25 before the brain's totally developed. In those early years, they're saying that kids in grade school have totally different behavior now because their brains aren't developing correctly. Well, I would say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know the research yeah. here. But I, w I think mentally soft, which equates to physically soft, which equates to low capacity <clears throat> people. I know for me, man, I, I get on the computer, I work on the computer. And so I get to a certain point, I have to say, I can't do this anymore. I start to get physically yeah. tired yeah. and I have to walk away. Yeah. And so I think there's something to that. Yeah. And we're probably, 
a decade or so away from truly seeing these long-term surveys and yeah. the damage the computers yeah. and the phones yeah. and the iPads and the flat screens have on the the mind yeah. and, the, and and its effects on the body as well. So sleep. Uh, so, so your fourth point is take rest, mm-hmm. which is sleep. Your time off, vacation, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And you know, and God, God has this is the beautiful thing about it. God has made us to sleep a third mm-hmm. of our life away. That's how we're created. And I always, I also thought it was really interesting. So God made man on the sixth day and then rested. So God made man to rest. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of cool paradigms there. So anyway, what do you have? Do you have one did, or two more? Did, just, just two more. One, okay. One, we were thinking, why did I wait so long to share this? But one was to have a quiet time with the Lord. I mean, our mind, I was wondering about that. <laughs> our, our mind is going so fast all day long with good things and bad things and whatever that uh, to, it's hard, especially with with all of our phones and everything going on, to turn things off and to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe not as regular as we need to be, but on a, on a regular basis to try to have a time where you're quiet with the Lord, where you're in, your, you're in His Word. He can, and part of His letting, He could talk to you. And if we're just always either watching something else and our brains aren't engaged, how do we receive? Mm-hmm. And so to, to develop a time, um, I try to do mine in the morning. Some guys do theirs at night. But again, nothing new, revolutionary, not a surprise. But without uh, quiet time, and would, at 76 people said, what did you learn today? Well, a lot of it isn't learning. It's being reminded of things you've already known you don't do. Remember, yeah, yeah. That, reminders yeah. are the greatest yeah. thing yeah. that God gives yeah. me. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I just think that the time with the Lord, listening, and then you didn't have much we know. Uh, it's, um, are we going to be obedient? And I've told this story a lot of times about the old farmer out plowing in his field. Have we told you this? You probably yeah. have. If it's a Mike Gomes yeah, joke, yeah, I'm sure it, I've heard well, it. Well, it's not really a joke, but it's, it's, just, <laughs> it's a good antidote. And this pickup truck comes up to the end of his field, and the guy gets off his tractor, and the guy had this big textbook about five inches thick, and he said, I got a book I'm trying to sell you here for $39.95. It's going to improve your farming. You're going to be way more profitable. And the guy says, well, you know, it might help me, but he says, you know, my problem is, he says, I already know more now than I'm doing. <laughs> so we don't need more stuff necessarily. Yeah. We need to learn to walk in obedience and reading through the Bible again this year and a year, and it just keeps hammering regularly. Why aren't they obedient? Well, Hebrews 4.12 yeah. Yeah, says the Word of God is living and active. Yeah. So I read the Bible every morning, yeah. and by every morning, that's probably solid yeah. six days a week. And man, God really speaks to me things I've never seen before yeah. in Scripture. But I'd read that passage a hundred times, sometimes a thousand times. And so, guys, listen, this is important stuff. This may sound basic to you, but you have to form these things in your 30s, 20s, and 30s. When I talk to guys who struggle with their quiet time or reading their Bible, it's because they didn't form the habit. It didn't solidify with them. So, Mike, I can tell you right now. So we're at five. At one more. Uh, I, I've, I, I've been great about spending time with my kids mm-hmm. and my grandkids. Uh, I'm going to call it an offer on the diet. I, my diet has always been a problem because I love to eat a lot of food. My exercise is a is a home run. Rest, sleep, day off. Uh, that is a habit uh, that kind of goes back and forth. I would give myself a win on that. But okay, and then quiet time. Yes. So what's this? So so far, I'm doing okay. Okay. In the, the, the last one, not to make people feel guilty, but I think it's it's never too early to start serving. Yeah, and th- there's a need. 
and not out of guilt and not because somebody twisted your arm. There's needs in churches. There's needs in the community. And to develop a habit of giving back where you have something to offer and people, you're, you can model um, what the believer is. And the scripture says that he's going to draw all men to himself. He sees how we love each other as Christians. Uh, so love your brothers uh, and then be willing to, to serve, whether it's the church or something else, and build that habit in. Because I think later on in life, there's going to be even a bigger need for, for uh, you're going to have time that you can serve and, and, and serve in ministries. Well, and this is what people don't realize. Again, we spoke about this earlier. That's where they receive uh, their purpose, mm -hmm. their mission, their reward. Mm -hmm. It all comes from serving and engaging with other people. So the, uh, this is really good, Mike. These six things are powerful habits that a 30-year-old man should form, spending time with his kids, uh, focusing on his food, intake and quality, exercising, getting enough rest, spending time with God and serving others. Now, I, I'm going to call you out here, Mike. I'm going to add one more. I'm going to call you, okay, because I'm getting ready to call you out. No, 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 and the other one I mentioned earlier in the other conversation <laughs> is to make the priority with your, your spouse. Okay, that was my question. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I know we talked about this, <clears throat> but I want to yeah, go back because yeah. I know there's some guy listening yeah. go say, saying to me, well, you didn't say your wife, so I'm yeah. just going to focus on my kids. Yeah. That's a bad move. Right. Why, biblically, why is your wife important for you to make a priority? Well, you're going to be with her, hopefully, but not just eternity, all through life. Your kids are going to leave. I mean, I heard a guy, I mean, Jim has a bumper sticker that he shared with guys that shows wife greater than kids. Gosh, I get looks about, yeah, I get guys yeah. looking at that. Well, I heard a guy, a speaker one time, goes, went further than you, says, somebody asked what I would do if, if I saw in the lake my family was drowning. I'd step on my kids' heads to get to my wife. Well, that's maybe a little more a little extreme, thing. but yeah. <laughs> a little extreme. But so the, the make the priority of the wife in that relationship. Um, I talked about it earlier is why I didn't list it, but no, it should be probably the top one. She's your most important person right. on the planet. Correct. So here's how I here's my hierarchy. Okay. Jesus is the most important person in the universe. Shanna is the most important person on the planet. My sons are the most important people in my heritage. So I kind of have it laid out that way. What about the Holy Spirit? No, go ahead. <laughs> Come on. You're killing me, Smalls. Anyway, it's funny. My, yeah. my youngest son, Colton, said about, we were together about a month or two, and he said, hey, Dad, I got a question. My kids hammer me with questions in their 20s, man. We're reading uh, Josh McDowell's book, More Than a Carpenter, together. And so it's, we're kind of going back and forth with different points. And so he asked me, hey, if, 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 if it was between me or mom, who would you choose? And I said, your mom all day long. You know that. I've told you that. I love you, but I'm going to take a bullet for your mom. I, it's just the way it's got to be. And he's like, oh, all right, I, I get it. Yeah. It's hard to say that out loud. It's hard to verbalize that. The problem with a lot of men listening to this podcast right now, Mike, is they couldn't do it. Especially, especially guys in second and third marriages because they're like, my kid's the most important thing on the planet. Well, that might be why you had the first divorce, bro. Mm -hmm. So make your wife a priority. Over your kids. Biblically, if you're going to be a biblical man, this is what God requires. And I think that's the hard part. You talked about the questions your kids ask. One of my sons, when he was in grade school, who's, he's a pastor now, <laughs> went to seminary. In grade school, he asked me one time, he said, Dad, he said, uh, if Adam and Eve hadn't eaten the apple, would Jesus have had to die on the cross? Whoa. Whoa. And he is the same kid who asked me, well, Dad, does going to the bathroom have anything to do with sin? 
<laughs> and I, I said, no, it's just a normal bodily function to get rid of extra waste that we can't, our body can't digest. Said, well, why didn't God just make us do it once a year? <laughs> yeah, that's the question I'm going to ask you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so, so, Mike, you're 76 years old. You've had a lot of health issues. Some are uh, uh, things that are genetic uh, or congenital. Others are things that, you know, injuries and stuff. What are some things... At se- I'm 56, so I, I'm 20 years behind you. What are some things that these guys, that you'd like to tell younger guys, hey, in your 40s, in your 30s, expect this. In your 40s, expect this. In your 50s, expect this. You know, What are some things that you'd like to share these guys that they can expect in, as they get older uh, to see their bodies as they break down and, and yeah. uh, mature, I guess, mature to one point and then begin to break down? I couldn't do it by by category, but several things. One, your metabolism will slow down. Yeah. And all of a sudden you can't process as much, mm-hmm. so you should reduce your intake. Um, your balance begins to go. Now, again, I think exercise and stuff can help, but part of the natural aging process is it, it is going to begin to break down. I've out. noticed that. Yeah. We were, I was with my oldest son hunting oh. turkeys just the last weekend, and I'm like, man, I'm struggling with my balance. Yeah. I'm so I think a part of that goes back to our core strength, and maybe I need to spend more time on my core. But I've noticed noticed balance. Also, and this I hate to admit, but it's in everything you read is your muscles do begin. Now Jim doesn't because he lifts all the time, but your muscles do begin to deteriorate, and you lose muscle mass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess unless you do aggressive things to keep it back. So I can tell my strength isn't what it used to be, and I can ignore it. Uh, I'm now told I can't be on a ladder by my sons and my wife. Oh, and I, really? I don't think I could be on a ladder. Well, no, because your your balance and yeah. I, I know numbers of guys my age, even younger, who've fallen off ladders and hurt themselves and been killed in your hips. So I, I think balance, I think strength is going to begin to wane. And so what you can do to offset that, I guess we should try to do. Uh, your metabolism, what you eat. I'm not taking Viagra yet. But at some point, that that's that wanes. I mean, the the so uh, you're 76 years yeah. old and you're as virile as ever. Well, uh, yeah, no. What, what's the old Western song that I'm not as good as I once was, but, but I was good, good once as, as I ever was. was. Uh, <laughs> so I think that the, the, the sex drive, the libido, does begin to drop off, um, which is also fine. I mean, it's about quality, not quantity, and. Um, so that isn't necessarily something to be dreaded, mm-hmm. but it's I, I, everything I've seen is it's also somewhat natural. Um, those the, those are the things that immediately came to my mind. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That. Um, well, I think if you keep care of your health as well, the sexual side that there's a there's a huge yeah. um, correlation between your health and that as well. So I see so many overweight people that a whole lot of things go bad for them then. And so because they haven't taken care of it, of, of, their, of their bodies, uh, mentally, physically, so many things happen that this is a, uh, a bigger issue than we talk about. We have, a lot of churches have the celebrate recovery of, of people that have addictions. Mm-hmm. It isn't just porn, sexual addictions, but it's also food. It's a whole lot of different groups that we can be addicted to, different yeah. things. And I think that that's one of them is how to learn to, we have several friends that are morbidly obese and thinking... It would fix so many things if you could get that back under control. We can't make them, uh, but uh, I think I have a prejudice or a bias of overweight people, but yet it's not been a huge struggle for me, so that isn't really fair. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to realize that if you have an issue, when you're young, address it now rather than later. 
Absolutely. I mean, I've struggled with my weight all my life. Yeah. If I walked in a room, somebody wouldn't go, oh, that guy's fat. He's muscular. Yeah. But I don't yeah. lift weights to be muscular. Yeah. I lift weights to uh, burn calories because you have a longer burn of calories. Uh, most of my workouts are cardio type of uh, hit workouts, mm -hmm. high intensity interval training. But food is definitely uh, my probably my biggest physical struggle on the planet. And it is a struggle that will take guys out. And that's what we don't realize. Uh, the church will, and that's actually one of the things that the church ignores. The church ignores uh, obesity. You can be obese and be a pastor, uh, and I don't. I, to me, I think that's an issue. Yeah, uh, I think we need to start dealing with this issue in the church, but. Um, it seems to be accepted because then we'd have to get rid of potlucks. <laughs> so, Mike, if you could, one last question, Mike. So, I appreciate you coming yeah. in and and sharing your wisdom. And again, I get to sit at your feet every every week and and uh, have you uh, just in our normal dialoguing as board uh, board chair and president. But uh, I've I've learned some great lessons for you and I'm, I, from you, and I really appreciate that. But if you were to go back, look at your thirty year old self. And then offer, I mean, you're from a great family, you've been a Christian all your life, but if you were to look at your younger self and the younger 30-year-olds that you've interacted with in the past, what warning would you offer these guys? One of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 13. Uh-huh. There's, I may not get the exact word, but there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. And with the temptation, will also provide a way of escape that you'll be able to bear it. Yes. And we're going to be tempted our whole lives, and um, even at 76. And to realize the Lord's provided a way out. My dad used to say things like, nothing good happens on the weekend after midnight. You'll be mm -hmm. home at midnight. Now, I, I always was. I didn't want to be out that late. But uh, there's a part where the Lord's provided ways out if we'll, if we'll, if we'll take it. And I think to not be shocked or surprised when temptation 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 comes and to understand that the lord that's going to be there uh, he doesn't remove temptation but uh does provide ways out if we'll accept it and to, whether it's through guardrails just being aware of what's happening um i heard a speaker one time when you talk about the temptation that people have what they're going to do he said i like to live by what i could just call the test of the light of day if i knew that tomorrow what i did was going to be the front page of the paper. Could, could, could I explain that? I mean, people don't have to agree with me, but would I be willing to stand up and defend what I did? And say, yep, I did. That's okay. Uh, or would I be embarrassed and humiliated? And so I, I think being making decisions based on the fact that the whole world would know would we make the same decision or not. Uh, yeah. It, pretty basic, simple, uh, but we don't want to go. We don't go there sometimes. Well, you know, it's really interesting, Mike. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus lays out uh, a way for us to pray, an outline. Mm -hmm. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And I, that's what I pray. I mm -hmm. come into the office. When I'm, on my, when I'm on my game, I pray an hour a day for the ministry and for my family, for myself. And Matthew chapter 6, you know, uh, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come by, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins or our trespasses mm -hmm. as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom of power and glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay. I cannot tell you how many times I, I don't get to, in an hour, I don't get to lead us not into temptation. That is such a powerful prayer to pray. And there's a reason why Jesus told us to pray it. Because if you are a man who is in the arena, 
and you love the Lord, you have a target on your back, and He's going to take you out any way you can. He can, and it, it, it may. It, it, and I have found that it's usually something obscure. Like we all know the sexual sin. Mm-hmm. For me, I think it's going to be something more obscure for me because I know that's in my face and I struggle and battle that. Mm-hmm. But the food. That's a long-term mm-hmm. game that can take you out. Or the lack of rest. You know, uh, I'm going to do a series of reels uh, coming in the next couple of weeks because I'm, I'm fatigued. I'm having to step away from the ministry for about a month this summer because I'm, I'm fatigued because I have been negligent in rest. This, this transition from COVID world to a non-COVID world, I didn't do that as well as I could have because we went from a virtual to a, a live world, and so I'm still in that transition. So that... that that hurt me, mm-hmm. and so I need to deal with that fatigue stuff. But fatigue will take you out of the game. Yeah, I, I know dozens of pastors that are out of the game because of fatigue. So these are so good, so good. And I'll I'll end with this one. When you talk about temptation, I, I heard this quote somewhere last week, and I just, I've never heard it before. It was in one of the books I've read, mm-hmm. and it was a Spartan saying that said, the more you sweat in practice, the less you bleed in battle. <laughs> I like that. Isn't that a yeah, great quote? Good, yes. I've got that on my whiteboard next to another one that says, and you'll love this as you get older, movement is medicine. Movement is medicine. Man, I'll tell you what, my body loves exercise, but my mind hates it. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, any parting words, Mike? Any words of wisdom you want to leave with the guys? I think I've said all I know. <laughs> I think so, man. You're a very shallow guy. So anyway, hey, Mike, thanks so much for coming on and taking the time to uh, share your wisdom and your knowledge. And, and you really model and embody everything that a man in the arena is. And and so you uh, lead a team with another reco- retired guy, mm-hmm. one another board member, Pat George. Yep. How, how can guys get involved in your team if they want to be a part well, of it? We actually met last night. We're going to take a little break for the summer now. We, did, okay. we finished the first two books. We have eight guys. We have one in uh, Nevada. Uh, two in California, or, or w- w- one left to lead a group. So one in California, and the rest are Eastern Oregon or Western Oregon. Uh, they've been really faithful. You, We're meeting right now on Tuesday nights. We'll start in the fall again on book three. We meet on Tuesday nights at seven. and Virtually. Virtually. And, and it's been fine. Uh, we have three or four guys that are fairly local. We're going to try to get together this summer to face-to-face and see each oh, other. Oh, cool. We've never met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, but it's been wonderful. I mean, all the guys that have... Lo- have I like to use the example, there's an old song by John Fisher years ago, back in the 70s, where, and this is the attitude that the guys have when they come. He says, I'm not telling, I'm not saying I've got it all together. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just 100 bigger telling you where I found food. Yeah, and we're, we're going to share testimonies. We're going to share our lives. We're not telling you what to do. The, the guys that have come, most of them are pretty knowledgeable of the Bible. Not all, not all of them, but the majority pretty much are. But that's not the point. We're not trying to, to impress each other by how much we know, but it's they're really sharing life. And so if you've never done it, it it's not that scary. It, it isn't quite as rewarding as face-to-face, but but it's pretty close. And over, we've met since, I guess, October. And there's a real sense of trust. People share prayer requests, needs on, on Telegraph during the week and log in on Zoom and it, Zoom to me is fine. I mean, you see all the faces. You can see, um, you can understand communication. Part of it's nonverbal, uh, and it's it's effective. So I would just encourage guys that have, that have not been in a group to look at this next fall. There'll be several new groups either starting up or open for people. And the fact that you don't know them doesn't really matter. 
And uh, yeah. I don't know exactly how, what they have to do to get in, other than what do they do? They just go to benintherena.org, okay, okay. and on our homepage, there's a button that says, right in the middle of the page, it says, join our program. You click that, and you can select uh, teams by team leader. So if they want to be in Mike Goins' team, they can select your name. And Pat George. If, or Pat George. You guys are code <clears throat> leaders. Uh, if, they ha- if they're looking for a certain night of the week or a certain time, uh, they can do that based on Eastern Pacific Standard, standard or... Uh, Central or Mountain Time, they can pick their teams. Uh, it's really, really simple. And what the material is, if you've never read it or seen it, they're, um, they're, they go through the definition of manhood, of you know, protecting integrity, uh, pursuing God passionately, finishing strong is the last one. But it's, it's based on scripture and then practical application. And so almost anybody can lead a group. They go through the scripture, then ask questions, and the guys begin to share. And so it's not, uh, you don't have to, it's not how much you know. It's, you're listening, you're being honest, you're being open, uh, which takes time to build trust. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't dump all your you know, negative garbage the first night. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it, it's wonderful material for, for, to me for men. That it's, uh, but it's scriptural-based. And again, it isn't all new revolutionary stuff. It's out there to be reminded on a regular basis how we're to live. And so it's man specific. It's not our group, a group. Yeah, it's man specific. Yep. It's written for men by a man. Uh, it's not generic. You yeah. couldn't. If a woman came into the group, she would hate it. Yeah. It completely is masculine. And so this. So I wrote a book called yeah. Strong Men: Dangerous Times, which was a number one bestseller. Mm-hmm. And this five book series, the Strong Men series, is based off of that book. Yeah. And so we're not charging guys a hundred bucks a month to sit at my feet. We're saying, hey, it's fifteen bucks, roughly fifteen bucks a book. Go buy the book. If you don't want to buy the book, first of all, don't be a dork. Mm-hmm. Buy the book. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want to buy the book, don't buy the book. But it's we gather weekly. It's it's phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, what we see God doing in these groups. And so I appreciate you not only leading a group, Mike, but being the chair of our board kind of overseeing the finances and being a, a guy that I can model my aging life around. So I appreciate you, Mike. So guys, listen, uh, we talked about six habits that you can form now that will help you to live a great life. Spend time with your kids, making your wife the priority. Make sure you're controlling the quality and quantity of your diet. Exercise regularly. Number four, rest. In other words, Sleep, take time off, go on vacation. Number five, spend time with God and in his word. And lastly, serve others. So guys, your boots on the ground this week is to identify where you are weak and begin to form healthy habits. Hey, make sure you head on over to menarena.org. Grab your free copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. While you're there, click the Join Our Program button, get involved in one of our many virtual teams, and get engaged and get in the arena. Be the man God called you to be. Until next time, feel the wet sound on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins.
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.